When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to There Will Be Dungeons, and I'm yelling in the mic again, <laughs> right off the bat. Um, yeah, hello everyone, this is There Will Be Dungeons, a special episode, as you might have heard last week. Scott is out celebrating an anniversary, and Kyle and Kristen are at a wedding out of state. So it's just me and John, and we decided that we're going to put on our jerkins and our... Uh, trousers and and go adventuring hi john well hey bo uh yeah i'm ready to go i have on my trouser jerkins <laughs> well the jerkin is a shirt it's like a medieval shirt it's, it's not what i'm wearing i didn't get it, <laughs> but I'll, okay. I'll see if i can change it to fancy clothes in the break perfect um i just okay is it possible i'm trying to turn the mic up here on your side do you have a can I get louder? <laughs> yeah, is that a what louder. you want? Yep. You want me louder? Yes, please. Okay, let me see if I can mess with that. You know, the stuff um, we're supposed to do before the show, but I decided to do two minutes in after we started recording. I know, we've been talking um, about audio all this time. It would have been, you know, potentially a good time to talk look, about Scott it. Scott Johnson is a consummate professional. It's like magic. I show up, I do my thing, I go, and he takes care of all the hard grunt work. And today, I'm doing the grunt work. And I'm bad at it. Like, I know what I need to do, but I'm constantly forgetting. Is yeah. this too loud? Um, no, Did because I like, it? it turned up louder, and then I can adjust it on my side. So you're This is good. as loud as it gets. Okay, you're good. You're gold. I like it. Okay, yeah. great. I, I want to hear you, I John. Will. So um, just, I will project. Yeah. Just don't yell there into the go. mic. People don't like it. No, that. if I... Bo, I'm not a monster. If I needed to yell, I would look away from the microphone. Yeah, of course. Like you do. That's how it works. Um, okay, so uh, we are doing a, an intimate session of D&D. What does that mean? Uh, because John, uh, I mean, Scott, Kyle, and Kristen are away. I, we saw no reason for the adventure to stop, and Scott at the end of last week's episode said he'd really love a John solo adventure. I said, all right, challenge accepted. Now, I've never done... Uh, we do on the show have, like, moments of where it's just one... I'm with one individual, but I've never done a full-on session with a single player. So this is new for me. Uh, I think it's new for John. And so we may make mistakes. It might get awkward. It might be bad. We just don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So we're just going to have fun. And uh, and, and hope, we hope you guys have fun, too. So thank you for being here. Uh, 
we don't have any messages and our recap person isn't here so there'll be no recap i think we're just gonna get right into it yeah yeah and and you know um i can provide a bit of Stanley Billings. At this current moment, you're dreaming. What are you dreaming about? I would say that the thing that has been most prominent on my mind as of late has been a question of morality. Mm. So it is probably not good dreams. And um, anything in specific that you have you been having any recurring dreams, a common theme to your dream? It would be dreams of abstract blood and violence, dreams of opportunities taken and regrets immediately found, uh, dreams where the right thing feels wrong. Okay, so, so okay. In the abstract, you're having dreams of this nature, and it's a fitful sleep. Oh, okay. So full disclosure, I forgot my dice and all this preparation. I had to go get my dice. Um, all right, so uh, you're having this uh, fitful sleep, and um, something rouses you from your sleep. You hear a bump. You peer open your eyes. Where, where were you sleeping in the fate four? That night. Um, I, I think typically uh, Stanley sleeps near the back, kind of propped up against the back of the, the Fate 4. Okay. All right. So you're le- like leaning, like, like like sitting all shaped toward the back of the vehicle? Yeah. Okay. So you, you open your eyes and you, 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 you open them to darkness. It's still night out. And you see the, the, the form of Nash. He's standing. And he's looks like he's bumped himself on the wall, but it's hard to make out to the haze of just waking up. And he goes, "Ow, God damn it, Nash! What are you doing?" The form of Nash in his cloak doesn't doesn't respond and attempts to walk through the door again, but isn't opening the door that you would expect just walks into very gently not gently but just sort of forcibly but not violently walks into the door now there's no light in the fate four which you can see with your dark vision and uh you sort of uh you know you don't you notice that uh there's no one else in the vehicle snash bumping into the door pardon me it's just nash bumping into the door yeah, Nash bumping into the door. As you begin to come to, um, hear kind of a faint, faint chanting. <laughs> I feel like I'm singing something, but I don't know what it is. It always sounds like the Halo music to me. Last week yeah. and this week, it's yeah. just the it's theme to maybe, Halo. Maybe it's even more Halo than it was last week. I don't know. I like it. Uh, Nash. Nash, what are you doing? Here, uh, Start to get up. Come from him. 
I'm gonna go over and shake him a little. Okay. You go over and give him a shake, and he sort sort of violently, his arm like pats your hand, like knocks your hand away, and he goes, "Ugh!" And attempts to walk into the door again. Can I uh, get a little more forceful and try to hold him back from the door and just say, Nash, what are you doing? Okay. So you say, Nash, what are you doing? And he goes, none of your business. But he says it kind of mumbly. And and then he tries to walk into the door again. Is his eye open? Uh, So you peer over his hood. His his hood is over his, his face. So you sort of take a, you know, a slick look and see that um see his eye eye is open but it's kind of there's something it's staring out into space like it's not looking at the door it's sort of staring ahead as it passed uh, to a point outside beyond the fate for and if i try to hold him back from the door is he just constantly pushing against my arm or is he just knocking I mean, it away you tried to I try put to your arm there and, and he knocked it away I'm going to give him a little smack. Okay. Not crazy hard, but just like a jostle, just a slap to kind of get his attention. Where in particular on the body are you jostling or smacking? Uh, Back of my hand to his cheek. (laughs) Okay. Um, Attack roll. Uh, that is, are we considering this un- un- it's an unarmed? unarmed strike? Yeah. And you're, uh, you could say it's for no damage. It's just, you know, it's a seven. Mm-hmm. So as you go to make the attack, he, 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 his hand just brushes it away again, like seeing it almost preternaturally, just like, it's like brushing it away like a mosquito when you try to slap him. Um, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm now gonna be a little more forceful. I think I'm gonna try to smack at him again. I think I sense something. Something isn't right. He's not reacting like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Something's still going on here. Okay. That'll be a 17 to hit. Okay. Smack him in the same way. Uh, this time will be back of the head, just from behind. <laughs> just back. Okay, so you smack him in the back of the head, and then the front of his head hits the side of the. You go smack. He goes bunk, and he hits like the front of his uh, his head on the wall. Um, and he goes, Ugh! and, um, he still continues to attempt to exit the vehicle, but the door's closed. He's just kind of walking into it. Almost like he's sleepwalking. And still no response, just keeps trying to get through. Yeah. Nash, I don't know what the hell is going on with you, but, uh, hopefully this is for your own good. I'm going to... Go back, make sure I have all my typical supplies that I carry with me when I go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to try to wrap the rope that I have around him and pull him back and restrain him. Okay, you're going to wrap the rope around him. I'm going to try and grapple him, and I'm going to try and get him down and tie him to something. Oh, I don't yeah. know, what do we have in the Fate 4 I could tie him? Now you're, on, you're like... grappling <laughs> <laughs> okay it's fine it's just funny i have to look up his character sheet <laughs> he's by the door right so if he's by the door yeah. i'm gonna try and i'm gonna try and restrain him in time to the workbench okay uh sounds good 
Um, I'm just waiting for his character sheet to load. Oh, the character sheet slow. Um, okay. Uh, so roll your strength check at least. Man, Stanley's no good at this. Uh, that is going to be a fourteen. A fourteen. Okay. There we go. I'm almost there. Coming in a second. <laughs> that's all right. That's with your strength, uh, your athletics modifier. Oh, if it's with athletics added, then it's a fifteen. Okay. Uh, let's see. So he will. Okay. Uh, so um, you grapple him easily. Grab onto him, and he begins to fight back. But he's. It doesn't feel like the full of his strength is resisting you. It feels like. Or he's way weaker than you imagined him to be, even though he's sort of a thin, uh, a thinner person and sickly. Um, he always struck you as athletic, and he always bragged about being quite athletic. Somehow you feel like he's not fighting back with the fullness of his strength. Like again, sort of in line with this theory that he's sleepwalking or something. But you grab hold of him. Uh, how do you grab hold of him? Uh, grab him around the arms and waist and kind of drag him back. Kind of wrestle him to the ground from there. Okay. So you have him. You have him on the ground. Uh, you're going to pin him to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I figure I would go in with the rope already around. Mm -hmm. Like go around him real quick like that and grab him and pull him down so that I can at least have an initial wrap around his body okay. when I start to tie him. So to the so, so you have him grappled. You're holding on to him. You have control. Uh, somewhat control of him. He can't. When you grapple somebody, they can actually still move and bring you with them, I think, but half movement speed when you're grappled. Um, so in order to fully pin him, we'll have to do a second contest to get him to the ground. Okay. And, and we'll count this also as the check for you're going to tie him up, basically, or just... You, yeah. Like, he's, are you tying he's clearly him up got such, something you, going on. Are you tying him in, up in such a way that he couldn't untie himself, or are you just tying him somewhere where he could untie himself? You know, like around the I mean. The goal would be he wouldn't. His arms would be pinned. Like I want his arms pinned to his side. Him sitting. Okay. Next to All the right. So you bench. want to fully, you know, uh, uh, restrain him essentially. Yeah. Okay. Like so, old cartoon style to the railroad tracks, but on gotcha. a. Gotcha. All right. So let's yeah. uh, let's um, roll. Let's get another uh, contest going. Ten. Okay. Uh, he's got a <laughs> two. So um, you're able to, to pin him down and, and you start taking your rope and you run the rope around him, pinning the arms to his side. Uh, you have enough rope of 50 feet of rope to, you know, tie his legs and his arms sort of, you know, uh, like his, ch his chest, basically. Um, and so you have him wrapped up in rope. Did you tied him to anything or just tied him down? He's just he's a person uh, on the railroad tracks and lying on the ground uh, tied up. Yeah, to the to the leg of the workbench. Okay. Standing up then? Uh no, like sitting, like okay. in a sitting position okay. to the workbench. I don't want him to be uncomfortable. I just okay. don't want him to go so running out the door. You have him tied up. And you've got him tied to the workbench. You're still holding on to him at this point. But he's struggling. So the whole time that you're trying to tie him up, he's, you know, his body's trying to fight back and push you away and like you got like a hand in your face and it's like 
pushing up here. He's like, ah, oh, sit still, you little bastard. And um, so after a solid 20 minutes of fighting with him, trying to get him restrained, you get him to a point where you feel he's comfortably uh, secure. Okay. All right, so now he's tied to the workbench. If you let him go, he will try to escape. Uh, but you have to let him go to see if that happens. So I'm going to look at him. I'm going to say, uh, sorry about this, buddy, but uh, I need to figure out what's going on before we let you go anywhere. And I'm going to let go, get up, and move quickly out the door of the Fate 4 and shut it behind me. Okay, so he's going to try and break free from the room. As soon as you let go, he's like pulling against he's like oh let me free a little little bastard is what he's, he's cussing and spitting and he pulls himself against the ropes and it just makes him tighter and but he's struggling like as you run out the door and close the door behind you he's like argh, argh, trying to pull himself uh trying to just will himself free with strength basically and it's okay and so after you close the door you hear muffled inside like argh, argh, when i get out of these ropes argh, let me out so you exit out into the desert air. It's surprisingly cool out. And even louder, you can hear... Ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> You're just chanting over the desert air. It's quite uncanny and it's very clear, but quiet, like echoing as if the wind was carrying it to you. Um... You don't see, you see in front of you, uh, there's the mound where Varel would be sleeping normally. It's broken open and no Varel inside. You quickly glance to the top of the Fate 4. You don't see Hope, who was supposed to be last, who you think was supposed to be last on shift. And um, no sign of Tedna, Bok Bok, or Buttons. Uh, can I look around and see if I can find footprints or anything like that leading out into the desert as to what direction they might have gone? Please make a survival roll. It's ten. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, uh, you take a look around the environs, and uh, after a few minutes, you see that there are footsteps matching you know, Varel's claw-shaped footprints, some boot prints that could only be Hope's. And smaller feet that either are cats or are goblins, you're not quite sure. You see them all heading off in the same direction, which you believe to be southerly, because during the day you saw the oil sands, and your understanding from Varel is that that was basically south southwest. Um, so they are headed off into that direction. I'm going to follow them, but I do want to take, having learned a hard lesson recently, I want to take a moment. To kind of survey the horizon, anything large that I mark of direction, mm -hmm. and make a note of that in case I get turned around and need to make my way back. Okay, so you want to take a note of the direction, sorry? Yeah, I want to take a note of, you know, if there are any mountains or anything that I should be able to notice, you know, even after I've traveled for a while, just to keep an idea of what direction I'm heading from so I know how to head back okay. the way I came. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that you can see is to the south, in the direction you're coming from, previously to the south was the range of mountains called the Dead Fingers. Right. So you can kind of make out still the range uh, from the direction you came in, also towards the southwest of where you are. Apart from that, it is nothing but sand and wastes. 
Okay. So I will make a note that the general direction of the Fade 4 is to put that stuff at my back if I wanted to head at least somewhat back towards the north, and I'll start following um, the footprints. It would be to your... So it's going to be... To, it's on your left facing south right now? Okay. So it would have to be on your right facing north. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's it, it'll help you walk in the right direction. Um, there is a concern that you you know could still easily get turned around and, and miss, depending how far you go. But yeah. uh, all right, so um, so you've made a note of this. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. up to you. You've, you've noted it. I don't know. Okay. The singing howls over the air. All right, I'm gonna just follow, follow the footsteps the best I can. Okay. All right. So as you can, you walk, you begin the walk south. You hear Nash from from inside going like, "Let me out!" <laughs> as you as you uh, walk away, but soon those sounds are drowned out by the singing. And after maybe only a few minutes of walking, you see a, a figure uh, walking also south in the distance. The outline of a figure. Um, looks to you a humanoid um, going to try to move quietly mm-hmm. uh, and see if I can make out any details without having to get too close all right so so um so you want to walk quietly you want to you'd have to get closer to see more but um okay yeah, then not... I would want to approach with stealth Okay, let's make a stealth check. Uh, 15. Okay, so as quietly as you're able, uh, you walk towards it. And after a certain amount of time, it does become clear to you that this humanoid uh, shape is walking in the same direction you are. It's not walking towards you, not standing still, but walking south as well. And it appears to be doing it at a fairly slow pace. So even though you've been stealthing, you're kind of, you know, walking a little hurriedly to get the information and, you know, secure whatever advantage you can by being faster. But this thing is not walking fast. In fact, it has a walk that resembles, you know, the walk of the the living dead that were in the black mine or someone sleepwalking. You see them kind of shambling, walking very slow pace. And and as you get closer to it, I assume you continue to approach. Yes. As you as you quietly as best as you can quietly get closer to the shape, you recognize it as the figure of Tedna. It's this tuft of hair on the top, um, sort of skinny, wearing his uh, you know his his canvas and khaki like uh, assigned wear that they had given them at the camp and boots. And it's his back is to you, and he's walking slowly south. Uh, knowing that I now recognize him, I will move faster to catch up, mm-hmm. and you know, perform due diligence, check and see if I can jostle him like I did with Nash. Get anything from him? Okay. So once you recognize him, you you run up to him. It takes a, a good minute or two. You still. You have to close a fair amount of distance. And uh, as you do so, um, 
he takes no notice of you. Like you might have kicked a little rock and, you know, you're making a low amount of noise, but uh, you make enough noise that some, you know, it's to not scare him. Right. right. And um, and he doesn't turn around and you sort of jog up in front of his face and he's you see he's just standing there and he's like almost as if drunk. This look of this look of 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 bewilderment, but also um, a look of of wonder in his eye. It's a very positive look, and he's looking into nothing really. You don't put a hand up in front of his eye; doesn't react to you. I'm gonna reach up next to his head and just do a loud slap. Okay. Uh, not to him, but you know, like clap of the hands next to his to his head. Okay. It does any, nothing. Uh, you snap. You, you any... snap in front of him, and he he as you snap in front of him, like he walk. He just continues walking towards it, and he bumps into your hand and just brushes past. I assume you're walking next to him. Yeah, just keeping pace with him for right now. So I'm seeing behavior very similar to what I saw with Nash, except he couldn't get through the door. Yeah. Um, Is there any sense that he's, and I know we're kind of out in the open, but are there any obstacles that he's being able to navigate, or is it just mostly a straight walk? So So far it's just a straight walk, Um, but you do notice that there are other tracks, fresh tracks, Varel's in particular distinctive, uh, also leading in that direction. And he's walking along in the same direction. But there's no, there's no obstacles, no rocks. It's fall flat, all sand. The only distinguishable difference on the horizon is is the oil sand where the oil sand starts, which you can see, which he's walking towards. And uh, so in, in this situation, and I'm, I'm going to just say, you know, the John uh, behind Stanley mm-hmm. is very suspicious of the singing. Um, I think Stanley probably would figure that's out of place as well. Um, yeah, clearly. A- as sort of the the oddity of this. So I'm going to try something here with Tedna. Uh, I'm going to use prestidigitation to make a different musical sound play in his ears. We'll just go with the the sound of. Uh, we'll just go with a different melody. The sound. I thought you were gonna name an artist. The sound of Elvis or something. Yeah, it's a little Elvis. It is. Here. I ain't nothing but a hair dog <laughs> working on time. Um, okay, so uh, uh, how long does the song last or the sound? Uh, faint musical notes. Uh, I can go for an hour, if sustained. Faint musical notes. Yeah, faint. So it's not like wearing headphones. I don't think so. It's not. It's not noise canceling. Prestidigitation. <laughs> 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 uh, and that's the effect you see that it has. You cast prestidigitation and make faint notes of music, and it doesn't cancel. It doesn't appear to have any effect on the the very loud and very. Um, it's like it's loud, but it's reverby and echoey. It's not like you're sitting next to a speaker, but it's just everywhere. You can't escape it, and you have no idea where it's coming from. It's just everywhere in the desert, and and I know um, at, you you appear having moved south a little bit to to be getting closer. You swear you start to make out words in it, 
but it's mainly just chanting. But you hear a word, um, Talrisha, in the singing. Talrisha. Talrisha. Do I recognize that as a particular language? Well, you you think it sounds a lot like a word that you might recognize as um, love? Uh, but it's not, you know, the pronunciation's not right. It's it's off, and it, it would be would have been an older version of the word, you know, like it is not a more current uh, thing that people would say in Elvish. And, okay. and so, so, so it's very it's very weird. But you get a sense that you think you hear an Elvish word in the singing. I'm gonna try one more thing before I have to figure something else out. I am going to try to move in front of Tedna and mm-hmm. clasp my both my hands over his ears and okay. see if it does anything. Alright, so you're gonna stand in front of him and clasp your hands on his ears. Yeah. Okay. Um so you go to make this move. Uh you stand in front of him, you take a step in front of him, take your hands, put them to the side either side of his head and cover his ears. And he just walks forward and runs you over. Uh, can we make a dexterity check, <laughs> dexterity save, please? Sure. Well, that'll be fine. Uh, that's going to be a twenty-two. Okay, so he he goes to like basically he just w- bumps into you, and you're like in danger of falling down and getting stepped on, but you gracefully <laughs> flourish out of the way and whoo, take your cape around and be like, "Whoa!" Um, so you're gonna have to walk while you hold his ears. Uh, you determine. I'm going to, I'm going to recognize perhaps the futility of this effort, and especially because it's just Tetna. Uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to continue following the footprints, uh, even if it takes me forward past him, Mm -hmm. uh, to see if I can get to anybody else along the way. Okay. Uh, So you're, you're jogging ahead now. Yeah. Okay, and as you begin to jog ahead, you hear you hear you hear a voice ring out over the desert, going, "Wait, wait, 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 wait for me, wait for me, wait for me." You recognize it as the voice of Bubbles, but you look around and you don't see buttons. It. Uh, buttons. <laughs> <laughs> but you look, <laughs> you look around and you don't see you don't see buttons. Uh, buttons, is that you? He's like, "Yeah, I'm right." Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then um, you hear a. And then he just appears in front of you. Uh, he, just, he just appears into existence. And uh, he says, oh, no, I was here the whole time. I just uh, I made myself invisible. Uh, sorry to scare you. Jesus, Chrome Buttons, what are you doing out here? Do you have any idea what's going on? I have no idea, but it's fascinating. And he's, he sort of flips open a book and he's got a little quill and he's like, ah, it's so hard to write and walk around <laughs> trying to dip your ink, and he's, you can see like there's ink all over his fingers and like his on his button nose, and, and he's, he's got because he's got the book in one hand and he's got the quill in his hand, like the book leaning on his forearm. And he's got the quill and he's like, and his glasses, he's always pushing them back up, and there's these little oil, like splats of oil where his nose are. <laughs> he keeps pushing his glasses back up. He's like, this is absolutely fascinating. I am more concerned than fascinated, Buttons. What is what is this? Why aren't you doing what they're doing? Why aren't I? Hmm. Um, 
Well, first, I think that it's this, I have this theory. Get, you want to listen to my theory and help me test it to see if it sounds plausible? Let's walk and talk buttons. Yes. Yes, yes, of course, of course. And then a little, a little splash comes out of his oil. <laughs> his, his, his oil. What do they call it? Um, uh, inkwell. Inkwell. His inkwell uh, splash, splashes on his hands. He goes, oh, darn it. And then uh, <laughs> he walks along with you, his his little metal leg sort of uh, along with him. And he says, I have this theory, you see, uh, Mr. Mr. Stanley, that that the muse that the, the, you hear that singing. Yes. Well, that singing somehow has a potent magical effect and it's making some of us walk south. Well, and, that and was sub- my hypothesis as well, Buttons. But oh, good, why good. are so we we've... not? Uh, why are we not impacted by it? Well, um, I have a few theories. So, at least as far as I'm concerned, I'm not a humanoid in the way that you guys are. So sometimes things that like you know magic of the universe that it tends to affect things with with. I don't know, with two legs and two arms, they they don't appear to affect me. And I'm not sure what that is. It might be because cats have nine lives, so we're nine times more powerful than the rest of you. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I don't know. Um, in your case, that's interesting. It is. Is there anything uh, you've noticed about the music that might give us a clue? I can't. I feel like there's words in the music, but I can't tell what any of it is. I was able to make out some old forms of Elvish in there. Oh, you speak Elvish? Well, yes, I'm a half-elf. Oh, oh, you're a half-elf? He's like, oh, I guess so. You, just, you look so human. You have, and you have such a human personality. Uh, how, how you, so you, Thank you. Your mom was a, was a... What was she? She was a, a an elf and your dad... Or was it the other way around? Who who was the no, elf? No, my mother was a human. My father was an elf. Oh. I didn't notice. I thought you were a human. You behave very much like a human. Now, I think I'm think i not sure if that's a compliment, Buttons. But oh, no, it certainly isn't. You need to act more like an elf. They're way cooler. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, uh, hmm, hmm. Uh, it, but... It could be that whatever magic this is uh, isn't affecting you because you're an elf. Well, I mean, I suppose I, that, that makes sound... as much sense as anything else going on out here. Okay. So, I guess that leaves us with only one option: is we need to find out what's the source of this. We're going to get our comrades back from it. Hmm. 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 Okay. Well, I, I'm afraid there is probably isn't much that I can do to help, but I will come along and observe. Well, I mean, like, you've been walking around this whole time invisible. That's something of a feat. Well, that's just you know to protect myself. I, I don't you know you can't slay an ogre with invisibility. Well, I should hope we don't run into any ogres, buttons, but. <laughs> Stick with me. I would be very welcoming to the company and to a potential ally should problems arise. Okay. Well, I'm, I woke up kind of early, uh, and I thought, honestly, I thought it was affecting everyone. I forgot that that you were in there sleeping. I was so 
just just in my head and i wanted to if you guys you know were to 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 meet a horrible end i wanted to make sure i at least documented it for the sake of rest of humanity uh maybe we could learn something about avoiding dangers in the desert um so i will come with you and hopefully we can rescue your friends that would be a good outcome but i'm not very hopeful this is quite unusual indeed um but let's let us go let us go so he pushes up his glasses again gets more ink on his nose buttons we are going to have to be very cautious we are going to have to be careful and you dripping ink everywhere is not going to do that i'm going to press the digitate his ink stains away he's like oh oh thank you that is that is a great magical spell that you know you'll have to teach me how to do that one i could really use that (laughs) i would find a lot of use for this thing it's quite useful Hmm. but haste buttons haste Okay, and so Buttons looks down and says, I did happen to notice, um, Hope wasn't at the camp when I woke up, but Varel made a lot of noise. In fact, you know, see this one here? Um, what's his name? This young lad here? Oh, Tedna? Yes. Uh, Tedna, uh, he, he walks kind of slow, but Varel, he took off pretty fast. Now, I'm pretty sure he's under the same effects. He sort of had all the telltale signs, but... Uh, well, that lizard doesn't appear to do anything half-hearted. <laughs> He's, he, he motored on out of the camp, and that's what woke me up. He just took off like a firecracker. Um, uh, Tedna had left after, and the little goblin scampered off after uh, Varel. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what's going on up ahead. Did the goblin Bok-Bok seem under the same effect, or did he seem to be simply chasing Varel? Um, I couldn't tell in his case. He said fresh. Well, he would do that no matter what, I would think. It's kind <laughs> of the only word he knows. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. He just, he, he he was, Varel and him booked it pretty quick out of here, but this Tedna one is just walking pretty slow. And, and I got a little nervous when Nash woke up, so I shut the door and left him in there. He's currently tied up in the van. I feel I felt if he uh, couldn't easily get out, at the very least, we could keep him contained somewhat. That's one less person to worry about. Well, that's a good idea. I'm glad you did that. Okay, well, let's get going. Uh, so you guys continue walking down. And Buttons insists on writing notes and continues to write notes, <laughs> even though you've asked him not to. Uh, but he does so more quietly. Mm-hmm. You guys are quiet for the rest of the walk so you walk about another five minutes five to ten minutes and you begin to make out the oil sand um line where where there's a change in the color of the earth and tedna is not too far behind you even though you've, you've made a jog you can see him behind you and um you do see uh, you do start to make it another humanoid figure out in the muck of the oil sand but this, this one's a large figure does it seem human, or does it seem like it could be a lizard folk? Well, let's roll survival, see what we can figure out. Ten. It's definitely a large frame. It's definitely, if things are as Bubble says, this is Varel. But uh, bu- Button says, frick! <laughs> Button says, it's definitely a, um, it's definitely a lizard folk. And what seals it up for you is you think you see a little humanoid standing next to it in the muck as well sort of up to about his waist in the muck 
They both appear to be walking. They're pretty far out. They're, you would say, almost a kilometer out into the oil sands. And, uh, yeah, as you begin to get closer to where the land transitions and begins to get mucky and it begins to look like there's a thick liquid in the earth, um, you sort of slow up. That seems like Varel and Bok-Bok up ahead. I'm very hesitant to allow these people to get where they're headed. Is there anything you are able to do to halt their ability to progress? Um, what, what do you mean? Like a magical spell? Well, sure. You told me you were a practitioner of arcane arts, and Nash, for example, can make people fall asleep whenever he wants. Uh, is there anything you can do to to knock them out, to hold them in place, to make them sleep? I can't imagine we want them to get wherever it is they're going. I'll be honest with you. I did bring a fair amount of spells to me in my spell book, but I've got to practice them a bit and have them ready. That being said, I don't think I even have any that would really fit that situation. My magic is pretty much like two two disciplines. and One is for scholarly pursuits of learning, like to read languages and detect magic and to disarm traps and things of that nature and also to bring heavy archaeological objects with me um the, the other one is for me to escape danger which usually means i'm on my own so i'm i'm you know i have tricks to escape like my invisibility i don't really have ways to knock out a big you know lizard man <laughs> it's not really my uh, uh discipline fair enough i figured it was worth at least checking can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually wish Nash was here. Well, he's indisposed, maybe? He is. I'm not going to get any help out of him, so let's see if we can at least catch up to Varel and Bok-Bok up ahead. Okay, so um, you are moving out to the muck? Yeah. Alright, so your foot goes in and it's like it's like up, uh, up to your ankle in mud. And the ground slips a little, and it's difficult terrain. And your boot is now completely muddy. You take another step in, it gets a little deeper and a little deeper until you're about knee height in the, in and the muddy oil. Are they, are the people up ahead, does it look like they're having to contend with this as well, or? Yes. So, um, you know, when you sort of peer off, you notice that, like, you know that way when you're walking in deep water, how you have to drag your leg and there's more effort? Like, that times two or three. Like, it's, it does it looks like it's not deep enough that anyone's going to sink in there, because they've walked out quite a bit, but it's going to be rough going from here on out through the muck. All right. Through the oil, rather. And you probably want to be careful. It sort of enters into your head, like, you're not sure if oil like this is flammable or not. <laughs> so you're like, hmm, it might be a little dangerous out here. I will point that out to Buttons, as I don't know his familiarity with this, and I will say we should be very cautious not to mix fire and oil. So Buttons stays spot. at the shoreline. He says, I don't know if I can go through this. I am still a cat. Well, Bok Bok's just as tall as... Or is he shorter than... He's shorter Bok-Bok. than Bok Bok. You know, he stands about 
to somewhere between two and three feet, where Mockbox like a solid between three and four. Uh, so he's smaller, and um, and I don't know if you have Stanley has a background with cats, but you and I, John, know cats or dislike <laughs> getting dirty <laughs> very much. Bubbles seems to be a little like eh. buttons. <laughs> buttons seems to be a little. Eh, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Look, there is a chance that I or they might need your help. Mm-hmm. You need to toughen up a little. Besides, you wanted to catalog it. How are you going to catalog whatever this is from over there? I mean, how is any of my belongings supposed to survive when I'm up to my neck in, in this gunk? I can't walk through this. Maybe, maybe we have something else that can be done. Do you, do you know any magic that can help me get through this? No, but I could. I could carry you. Well, that would be wonderful, but I would. I would never ask such a thing. But if you're offering, but you got to promise me one thing, Mister Stanley. What? That we're gonna come back, because if you if you something happens to you, and everyone else, I'm never leaving this place. Buttons, you would be fine, but I don't intend to have anything bad happen to myself or any of us. Besides, if we can free them, you'll have a giant lizard who could carry you back. Well, I know if everything goes well, we'll be fine, but if everything doesn't go well, then everything's going to be bad. And I'm weighing statistically what's the probability of us coming out of this alive. It's not very good. And the only thing that's got me interested in, I'm just curious what's making this music. Yeah, in fact, I'm more curious than I am concerned for my safety okay i'll 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 go on your back i've it's decided all right i will let him climb up on my back okay so his little cat paws like his his claws and they hook into you and and he's this jab in your back as his hind leg which is made of metal just like kicks you know the hydraulics kick in and it just bumps you in the back in these weird spots (laughs) and eventually he crawls up onto the back of your neck and he's sort of curled around and uh he keeps putting his is one of his hind his metal hind leg like in your cheek, so it's just kind of like resting in your cheek like this. The hold on, he's very awkward up there. Remember, he's a little on the big side. He's a he's a big boy. Buttons, I'm going to encourage you not to squirm, please. Thank you. Okay, I'll try and hold still, and then um, start forging ahead. <laughs> and as you guys start forging ahead. I guess his bag jostles around on his back and it spills ink uh, <laughs> spills ink all over the side of your head and down your cheek. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he goes and he puts it back up. I just didn't screw it on tight enough. He puts the ink bottle, ink well back into his uh, bag. This day. Stay focused, Stanley. It's fine. Compress to digitate on the other side of this. It will be okay. I don't want to worry you, Mr. Uh... Mr. Stanley, but I, I should have gone to the bathroom before we left. I'm just going to say that. Let's let's get to where we're going quickly. But if I need to I, go, I'm just going to go off the back of you, okay? I'll try not to get any on you. It's going to be fine. I'm going to keep, I'm pick up the pace, and, Stanley. And, and just the other thing I, I, I want to know is, I, I think in these oil sands, like it looks like it's, it's not uh, too deep. Sorry, I just got to fix my mic here. Looks like it's not too deep, um, but there might be sinkholes. So we've got to be very... Do you have a stick or something long that you can poke ahead to make sure we don't go into a sinkhole? Yes. I I will pull out 
uh, I will pull out my rapier and use it as kind of like a walking stick, yeah. kind of feeling around. But he's like, don't use it like a walking stick. You need to poke ahead before you step ahead so that we know if there's a hole there or not. Thank you, Buttons. I will do that. Uh, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, start walking. making progress. And then he, he continues talking in your ear about, there's an abundance of oil out here. This is magnificent. Imagine Buttons. what humanity can do with all this oil. This is great. I require concentration, please. And as course, we approach course, where sorry. we're going, a stealthy approach would be better. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then this time he does respect your request for radio silence and doesn't say anything. So it's nighttime. The moon is uh, bright in the sky, sort of illuminating the, the desert faintly. And you get deeper and deeper into this mucky sand slash oily substance. It's not water. It's very thick. And you've got to like, it's taking a lot of extra effort now to drag your foot up and then plant it to make the next step. So you're moving at half speed now and the going starts getting really slow. Uh, That being said, you still do seem to be making a little bit of time on Varel and Bok Bok. Not by much. They're still off in the distance, but to your shock and horror, you watch them as they begin to descend down very quickly. Their body goes, just sort of moves down very quickly, very suddenly, and then they vanish from view. How far away from that would I have been? About 400 feet out. All right. Um, take you, you know, 400 feet will take you with the muck and everything, maybe 10 or 20 minutes to wade your way over to. I'm going to. Ooh, that's a long time. Uh, I'm going to make a note of where they seem to go down and just try to make as quick a pace to get over there as I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hold so on tight, buttons. We have to move quickly. He's like, I think I saw that they went. They went into the muck or something. Why would they do that? They may have hit one of those sinkholes you were talking about. Okay, well, um, if I see anything, I'll let you know. And then, so as you walk a bit, you know, you do so in silence. And then after, you know, maybe five minutes, Buttons taps you on the shoulder. He's like, oh, oh, I see. I see something. I see something, Stanley. There's, there's a hole in the ground. There appears to be a bit of a rock face sloshing around. Uh, the, the, this, the, the oil, the sand is sloshing around this, this bit of a rock face. And I see, I see a cavern that's going down as it gets to this rock face, but it's, it's, it's barely concealed. It's, it's not, a, it's not a big mound over it. And, and he's like, Oh, how exciting a place to go into. Keep pointing me in the right direction towards it buttons. That's where we're going to head. Okay, and so you move ahead uh, again for a few more minutes, and as you get closer, you do in fact see that there is a, a solid sort of rock surface that is slightly covered in some spots, like it's just at the 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 level of the of the oil sands, but it's enough to show that there appears to be this tunnel coming out from underneath, and and it descends into blackness. You can't see inside. And uh, if I look behind me, is 
is Tedna still making his approach? Does it look like he's coming in this direction as well? Yeah, you look behind you and you see Tedna's made it now to the shoreline uh, where the oil sand starts, and he's beginning to walk into it in the same direction, heading towards you. All right. We're going to have to go down there. It looks like this is where everybody is headed. Well, lead the way. Um, I can't really see very good. Do you have a lantern? I do, but it, it, uh, I, I, I had some lag and I missed everything you said after I do. Oh, (laughs) uh, I said I do, but I would be hesitant to light it in an environment like this. Oh, it seems like a good way to get. Oh, of course. Good call. Well, do do you know any magic that illuminates things? No, I'm able to see in the dark pretty well. Man, what's up with us? We we both know our practitioners practitioners of magic, and yet neither one of us can make a magical light. Oh, I tell you. Let me see if I have anything in my bag. Hmm. Looks around. Nope, I've got nothing. We're screwed. So even with my dark vision, I'm not able to see. Uh, you're see able anything. to see in there, but the cat doesn't have dark vision. Well, oh, you're does, going actually. to have to. Never mind. All right. I was going to say, I thought yeah, cats, cats can see, see in the dark. Well in the dark. He's like, oh, I forgot. I can see in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you couldn't because you were a human. I was thinking of you. But I'm you're a half, half elf. elf. So uh, so as part of like your, your half elf properties, uh, you get to have see in the dark vision. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a real boon. Uh if we don't need it, then we can proceed. Lead the way. All right. I will start to head head down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you begin moving down the cavern. And you can see, like, along the sides where the sort of, like, the oil sort of leaks, splashes over the side of the entrance, and all the walls are very runny with, with oil, and, and it's very sandy and very dirty in there. And the ground... You notice it's a cavern, it like it's hard clay on the ground. And then some places rock, different types of sediment. But there's like this layer of like wet sand. And you descend down into the cavern. And you, you walk a solid uh, f- five minutes as you go down, down deep beneath the water line, the oil, where the oil is. And... Um, Eventually, the path turns into a set of solid cement stairs. And you're in this hallway, and there's these cement blocks forming stairs ahead of you. And it becomes a little less moist and damp on the walls. Um, and sort of ahead of you descending is a, is a flight of stairs. Like almost as if it used to lead somewhere and was broken off and long forgotten. And now there's a set of stairs there. This is exceptionally strange. We've hit a spot that's man-made. Yes! We found a ruin! I love it! And he yells out and he echoes throughout the... (laughs) Right, right, we might be in danger. I'm sorry. Very excited. Usually, I only have to think of myself because I can just, you know, go invisible and get away from danger. Keep in mind, you're worrying about me. And we're trying to get everybody out as well. Right, right, right. That's what you... Yeah, okay, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, 
Like I said, I'm really here to bring back knowledge. But yes, yes. It would be ideal if your friends lived. And me is your way back across. Well, I'd, I'd like to think maybe we're becoming friends. Buttons, I've known you for a couple hours. But you're so nice. I, I, I quite like you. Let's proceed. Okay. All right, so you move down the stairs. And the at the bottom of the stairs, after another few minutes of descent, it appears at a hallway. There's a bit of a hallway and then a set of door. Set of double doors. They're wooden. They look old and they're adorned with an ornamentation of like tree branches and vine, like um like designed into the door. Door has two turny handles. Actually no scratch um, that, they're the button push handles. <laughs> the button push. Sorry, the wrong handles. I'm going to uh I'm going to approach the door, put my hand against it, lean in, and just listen and see if I can hear anything beyond it. Or is the is the sound still so loud I wouldn't be able to hear over it? Um, you do still hear the singing. Uh, and the singing really hasn't changed other than it's become a little more pronounced in that um, you're in the closed space. So it's echoing off the wall and reverberating. So technically it's louder. And you'd... Can I make out any other lyrics, or is it still just the the Taurisha? Um, you do start to make out a second and third word. You hear Enja and Romai, and you're not. You these are definitely uh, Elven pronunciations. Again, it feels like. It feels like old dialect, like they're using syllables that you recognize in a way that is unfamiliar, but closely, like how, you know, Latin might actually be an English word or something like that, you know, that we use in today's parlance. So it's it's weird. So I recognize it as Elvish, but maybe not the meaning behind it. That's right. You don't understand the meaning behind it. But the phonetics sound Elvish to you. Uh, what languages do you speak, by the way? I speak common, draconic, elvish, and halfling. Okay. Interesting. Okay, yeah, so uh, you you want to roll to listen at the door? Uh, yeah, just to see if I hear anything immediately beyond it. Uh, make, make a perception roll. Uh, Fifteen. Okay. So you go to up. Uh, you move up to the door to try and listen. The loud sounds of the singing really is crowding out your ability to to be able to hear. You think because you don't hear anything. All right, I'm gonna do. I mean, I'm gonna assume that you know Varel and Bok Bok and whoever has had to come through here has been able to navigate this, mm-hmm. uh, and I. You know, Nash didn't seem to be able to to mess with doors all that well, so I'm going to guess that there isn't anything tricky to this door, and I'm going to just try to open it and move through. Okay. Uh, The right door or the left door? Uh, Left is always right, so left. (laughs) I had to think about that. Uh, (laughs) All right. So you open up the left door, push down and, and pull. It's a pull door to open. Sort of look in. 
You see a large room. And the door opens up easily. It does so without a squeak. You can move through it if you wish. Yeah. Move right, forward. So you, you look I'll at, shut the door you behind take in the me. room. Uh, Bubbles follows it, you in very quietly. And then you get... His name's Buttons. <laughs> Buttons? Frick! <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Um, <laughs> you named him Buttons. This is the name I of your know, I know. I just keep calling him Bubbles for some reason. You know why? It's because my sister had a cat named Bubbles. I just, but I didn't think of that when I was like, because he's passed away. It's been a while, but like, I think that's why I keep calling him Bubbles. Look, I think it's good. You're going to single-handedly introduce a new element to the drinking game every time <laughs> Bo calls Buttons Bubbles. Basically, take a drink. Yeah bad um so buttons sneaks quietly in behind you and this time for the first time his body language is like suggesting that it's sort of serious and he's nervous and he's paying attention and you look around uh, this large this large room and what's weird about it is that it's like you're on this main floor and there's all these little rooms to the right and left very small little rooms. like who would use rooms that small and then there's like an opening up to a second floor where there's a balcony and it looks like it has the same room rooms up above it. I mean, it'd be housing for an army. The rooms seem designed. Are they just small rooms or are they designed like for smaller people? Uh, history check. Natural 20. Hmm. <laughs> so you're kind of confused about what you're looking at and then it, it's something that you once read in the dictionary it's a word called prison and and the way it was described isn't how you know imprisonment to be like in this day and age which mainly just involves being thrown in cages or being tied to back of cars and dragged on the sand um, there's no prisons that you've ever you've ever seen a prison complex and this, to me, strikes you as a series of rooms too small for anyone to live in if it was like a set of apartments or something. Right. There's curiously no doors uh, on any of the rooms. So you're not sure how anyone's kept in them, but that's what your brain tells you. Is that you're like, as you go back and, and, and think, and you think this might be a prison of some kind. Or have been. If I- if I go and move and look inside the whatever one is nearest to me, is there anybody in any of these rooms? Are they empty? Empty. Not a soul that you can see as you peer around and walk. You see nothing. Very strange. Um, going to cautiously move up to the second floor, see if I see anything there. Uh, you go to move up to the second floor, but you notice there isn't a set of stairs. Ooh. Is there a uh, discernible exit to this room? Yeah, as you make your way down the longer hallway, you see that uh, there's another set of double doors at the end on the same floor as you. Adorned with the same sort of wood and, and thorn and vine design scratched into the door. All right, I'm going to kind of hug, we'll say, the right side wall a bit and move slowly and cautiously to the end of the hallway to those doors as well. Okay. Uh, Roll stealth check. 
that is a 19. Okay. Um, so you quietly approach the door. Uh, Bubbles takes your cue, sees you being quiet, does so himself. And was surprisingly quiet uh, right behind you. He's very different than how he was when he, you guys were enthusiastically... Um, he was, he was crying out in the field about how happy he was. He's he's all of a sudden seems to be in serious mode as he sneaks behind you very quietly, very briskly. You move up towards the door. And this time, as you get close to the door, the music suddenly gets very loud. All right. I'm going to lean down very quietly and whisper to Buttons. Whatever is making this sound seems to be not far off now. If it gets dangerous, do you have a method of protecting yourself? I'm not talking about escape. Um, uh, like, escape is how I protect, sorry, escape is how I protect myself. I, I don't, I'm not the kind of wizard that's going to throw a big fireball in somebody's face or anything like that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, kind, I'm kind of a pacifist. Have you ever used a dagger before? Uh, um, I mean, I have claws, and I've, I've scra- I scratch faces on with people I don't really like, but... I'm, I... I'm going to reach down into my boot and pull out the dagger that I keep there and hand it to Buttons, if you need it, just in case. <laughs> okay, so you take the dagger and hand it to him, and he looks a little apprehensive at first, like... And then you realize why is that he goes to grab it with both of his hands, and it's like a great sword in his hand. And his his little paws like it hits. The, as soon as you let go of the dagger, it just hits the dirt as if it was like a, it's too heavy for him to carry. And he's like, he's like, I'm not the most like strong. What am I gonna do with the sword? <laughs> I can't even do anything with it. Like, look how heavy it is. All right, I'm gonna take it back. Yeah. All right, just. Be careful. Watch my back. Okay, well, maybe I can, you know, I, I can get us out of a scrape. If, it, if things get rough, maybe we should come up with a keyword. Okay, the keyword is lemon tree. Lemon, okay, I think I better write this down. <laughs> so, we have a keyword. If if you say lemon tree, then we're going to get them out of there, right? That's, That's like, right. Even if your friends are in danger. I mean, there's no sense in all of us dying if when some of us I can say live. Lemon tree, I will be the judge of the danger. If you need to stay hidden, you stay hidden. But we're not leaving until I say. Okay. Then you, just loud, you hear this loud bang echo throughout the the room. It's coming from the door behind you, and then you you see the door slowly slide open, and Tedna walks through the door covered in mud all the way up to his waist you know he's he's very dirty he sort of saunters in starts walking in your direction towards the other door can you make yourself invisible again i mean i can but i have a limited amount of we might want to save it for an actual dangerous situation he's not dangerous all right well make yourself scarce i have an idea on how to proceed Okay, uh, where should I do that? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go to one of these rooms over here. He sneaks off to one of the side rooms. I'm going to stand up, and I am going to force my way through the door in the same manner that I have seen 
or that I would believe that they would use. And I'm going to move at a slow kind of dazed clip. I'm going to imitate what I've seen them doing so far as I proceed forward. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you're going to do like 10 now, basically like just walk yeah. weird, stand ahead. Yeah. All right. You sort of, you do a bit of rehearsal a little bit and standing in place and doing it prepping. Then you slowly grab the door handle, open it up, and walk through. I think we'll take a break here. We'll see. What oh happens. man, <laughs> that's such a bad place for a break. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll take our break, and we'll be right back. We're back, everyone. So, Stanley, you've assumed the walk of the Enchanted as you proceed through the door. There's a bit of a hill. Surprisingly, you were expecting to find more cement stone, but instead you found Cat Cave again, cavernous sediment on the ground, very sandy. And you hear this swooshing over the sound of the singing that's going, and and um, so you, you don't break in your your acting. Uh, physicality you you move down uh, this sort of hill and as you move down the hill you see that the cave opens up into this large large space and what you see defies imagination you see a pile of bones along a shore of an underground beach opens up to a large space there's stalagmites and stalactites large cavernous area and it spreads open into this beach and i say beach because it's not water there but that same sort of oil sands and you hear dripping a boop, 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 as as you know this oil appears to drip from the ceiling into the lake below and on this beach you see a mountain of bones in the center atop this mountain you see what you can't believe what you're seeing. The best way that you could describe it is there is a giant earthworm sitting atop the pile of bones. And on one end, half it turns into the top torso of a man. Kind of a tubby, fat man. But the bottom half looks like this worm, but you see its legs. Almost like a... Do you know what tardigrade is? Uh, Yes. Yeah. So it has like... It appears to have these little stubby legs, like six of them in total, as it clutches the top of the pile of skulls. And for its tail on the back end, it looks earthwormy, and it, it springs out, and you see a face, a face of a woman on the back. And the face of the woman on the back of the earthworm is going, Ooh, ah. and So it's like, that has a, a man half on the front half, and then this tardigrade but earthworm fleshy body, and then the face on the end of its tail singing. You also see Hope, Varel, and, and Bok Bok. They're, they're sort of cuddled underneath his large worm-like frame, and like puppies suckling at their mother. They're not They're not suckling, though. They're just there sort of in its bosom, being comforted. And you see one of its large claw hands like petting Varel's head. 
almost soothing like a mother would. Has has um you hear Tedna behind you slowly walking towards you as you slowly walk towards it. To the left of this site you also see a hut and a cauldron and a table and chairs. There's a little light on inside of the hut. And you see all the, this as you approach. Oh boy. Uh, and about how far away is all of this? Like how far do I have to walk till I'm up in the business? Uh, got like three minutes, maybe two. Any sign of activity from the hut? If I just glance over and look at it, any indication beyond the light that there's anybody in there? Um, you sort of you, you take your you remove your eyes from concentrating on the acting part of being enchanted. You look over there and you see a shadow move inside. Does the either part of the creature seem to be paying much attention to me, or is it kind of fawning over? It's fawning over uh, Pope and Varel. Bok Bok right now. And are they the only other living beings in the vicinity at the moment? Yeah, that you can see, yes. Except for Tenda, who's behind you. Alright. I am going to for the moment allow myself to approach to get closer. And just sort of observe and see what additional things I can see. So as you get closer, the being sitting atop the pile of skulls and bones looks over uh, at you. You try really hard not to break your stare and look at him out of your periphery. Uh, let's make a let's do an acting check. Get that performance check going here. Yeah, finally. It's been a while since we've worked on that one. Natural 20 for a 29. The being looks at you. The singing continuing. And then it looks towards the hut and says, Mommy! 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 Another one! We have another one here! I have more friends! More friends! And it yells it out. And you hear a voice from, from the hut going, Boy, that's, that's lovely, dear! Mommy, mommy, come see, come see! One second! And then from the hut emerges this robed woman wearing a sort of a cowl. She's wearing a cowl, but she's naked. She's older, and, and her body's saying got a large pot belly as she steps out. She's slender, though. She has a pot belly... And these ample breasts, but everything about her skin looks gray and sickly. And her face has pimples and warts, and it's hideous. Like, But she has this slenderness to her. And you, you sort of see as she pushes out, her ears are very pointed. She goes, oh, that's... Look at the lovely, lovely new friends you've made. And she sort of smacks her lips. And she takes out her teeth. She has these dentures. And she just puts them back in. Sort of firms them up. Just, which one 
Which one should we eat first? I don't know, Mommy. I think they're great. Can we wait to eat them? Maybe we can wait to eat them. But, but we, we, you have to eat your growing boy. We need to get you some food. This happens as you continue walking towards uh, this old naked woman in the earthworm slash person monstrosity. Will I be approaching her before uh, before I get to him and all of that? What's my path towards them? You're going straight for the pile of bones. The hut is off to the left. And okay. your periphery, you notice there's a cauldron underneath what appears to be a small flame. As, as, as you broach around the hut, you can see it there. You see there's like a dining table with some chairs. This rotted. Everything about it, the, the wood is, is gray and black and, and rotted and, and chipping off. But it's a table and a chairs. And there's like a bowls, a set, place setting for bowls and crude looking utensils. As a act of caution, I'm going to, as I'm continuing my disjointed walk, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to sneakily grab the knife the dagger that I keep behind my back mm-hmm. and have it ready in my hand. Sleight of hand. It's an eight. Okay. You go to, uh, what's eight? Uh, ten and five would be very easy. This is a very easy action for you. So, okay. Um, you quietly move and put the blade into your hand. And have it okay. in your sleeve? Is that right? Uh, yeah, just sort of tucked along the arm. Gotcha. You're so holding, you're clutching it in a way that's out of view. Yeah. Okay. All right. You have the blade in your hand. And keep making my way down. Uh, the only thing I would like to prepare as I move forward mm-hmm. is if I get any sense that Varel or Hope are going to be in immediate danger... I will throw the dagger uh, at the singing mouth part of the tail. Okay. I gotcha. You, you, so so you're going to throw the dagger at the tail where the singing happens. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you approach closer. You're now at the foot of the pile of bones. Uh, the The old hag appears to walk towards the cauldron. And lifts up a big sort of spoon and begins stirring in there quietly. And um, the, the the large beast, you're not, you don't know what to call it. I don't even know what to call it. Looks down at Varel, pets Varel's head and says, Mommy, I like this one. This one is, is, is what color is this? I don't even know, but it's shiny. And he, he, it picks my hands when I rub my hands on him. He's got, he's got like, Sharpie on him. This one's great. I'm I'm very happy for you, son. She says. You're now at the foot of the pile of bones. I will note that the tail's somewhat out of view now. This is a, he has a very large body. All right. Um, how far away am I from the old woman? Uh, she's about 60 feet out to the left. In the vicinity and of her hut. 
the path doesn't take me any closer, does it? No. All right. Uh, with this being as close as I am going to be able to get, I am going to break stride and I'm going to start to move towards the hut. And I'm going to say, Good evening. My name is Stanley Billings, and I would be grateful if you would let my friends go. The woman, the, the old woman, uh, shocked. As soon as you break stride, she goes, Huh? What's this now? What is the meaning of this? I have told you. My name is Stanley Billings, and you currently have enthralled four individuals with which I want free. Mommy, why is that one talking to you? I don't know, son. As I talk, I'm going to continue to close distance towards her. Slowly, not aggressively, but just making stride. Her eyes look cut it at you. I see you were pretend. See you were pretending to be, uh, enticed by my son. You're a tricksy one, Blort. What do we do with tricksy ones? Um, we kill them. <laughs> he laughs. He goes, yes. I would advise very much against that. Blort, was it? If you attempt anything, I will make sure your precious little mommy doesn't draw another breath. <gasps> He's a tough guy. Tell me, Stanley Billings, how come you don't find my son very enchanting? Very, very strange. Well, for one, he seems like a rather large worm. My son is beautiful. Don't you go insulting my child. Don't you know that that's rude? Considering you have stolen my friends and comrades in the middle of the night, I would say we are about even at the moment. I didn't steal your friends. They wanted to be here. Look at them and how they revel in my son's beauty. He's quite really? beautiful. Yes, Tell yes, that yes. singing to stop and let's see what they think about it. I would never tell my child not to pursue his dreams and live his art. And what art would that be? I'm still continuing to try to get closer. Okay, we start edging closer. My son is very special to me. Do you have children, Mr. Stanley? No. Then you wouldn't understand. But do you say that these are your friends? Yes, they are under my care and my protection. Something catches in her eyes, and her eyebrow moves up. She sort of recoils back and she says, Oh, this explains everything. 
You're an elf. Dirty, arrogant elf. Half-elf, actually. Well, pardon me. This explains why you don't succumb to the enchantment of my son's singing. It's not meant for your kind. Seems to be a rather big advantage from where I'm standing. I should say, our kind. And she she uh, points to her ears and she says, I was once like you. I was once like you. How did you come to be here? You and your son. Oh. Blort, he doesn't know. He doesn't know his future. <laughs> he doesn't know. Oh, he's a dumb, dumb mommy. <laughs> and he laughs and little like flesh pops out of his mouth as he laughs. He doesn't know. Elves. I am your I am your future. What you are looking at is the future for all elves. Don't return home. What are you talking about? Elves don't grow old and die. Elves rot. Anyone never told you that, cursed one. A whole race is cursed. I can't say that I have found the plight of elves particularly fascinating or interesting. They haven't had the time for me, and I haven't had the time for them. Well, you should enjoy your precious beauty in good looks and charm and affinity for all things magic while you can. Because one day, I assure you, you'll be me. In fact, if I was several hundred years younger... I might find you a little fetching for a half Thank elf. You. I'm flattered. However, I must insist on my course here. How rude not to return a compliment once one is given. He's a rude one, Blort. Yeah, Mommy, I know. Look at his ugly face. Now, don't be rude to our guests, Blort. Would My you friends, just, oh. release them. Stop the singing now. Hmm. That just... Why? How can they be your friends? Elves don't have friends. At the end of the day, does it really matter? You two know why there are other races beyond elves. Yes? You, do you? I see you lacked a proper mother figure in your life. You would be wise to be very careful what you say further about my upbringing. Anyone. The other races were created to remind elves uh, of humility. That they are fortunate to be elves. Because all of the other races are so despicable and slow. 
That's their purpose. To keep us... Humble, I suppose, or... I don't know, some lesson from some god somewhere. I've seen many things in my lifetime. Young Stanley. I may not have your years of experience, but... There's one truth that I have seen, is that it doesn't matter what your background is, everybody in this world is capable of the same level of ugliness and despicableness. Mm. Unfortunately, I can't leave you. I can't... I can't release your friends. We require them. What for? You perhaps notice the strange architecture of where we are. Many, many centuries I was warden of this place. And my calling was to secure the most dangerous of our unwanted and misguided of our kind. Not criminals. Humans have criminals. But when elves do wrong, they have to be put someplace too. Now since the scorching, the world has long since changed. And we have, well, you can tell by the pile of bones that we've nourished on all the prisoners over the years. And But we have one remaining prisoner that we must, at all costs, not let go. But we need food. And most importantly, we need the precious mana waves inside their souls to help maintain our magical walls. You understand, this is a high calling that I take with the utmost of seriousness. I understand the obligation to duty. Mine is that I will not be leaving here without my allies. So I will tell you one more time before something unfortunate falls you or your boy. Release them, and I will walk out of here with my friends, and you can lure whoever else you would like. Live out the rest of your days without any obstruction from me or us. But if you do not, I will end both of you. Lord, he doesn't sound like he wants to relent in this line of thinking. <laughs> I suppose we'll have to kill him. Yes? Is that, was that your choice ultimately, Stanley Billings? You sure you wouldn't rather stay for dinner? Think about things. <laughs> and eat one of my friends, is that your offer? No, 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 no. I've got wonderful slug stew that I'm cooking. Trust me, you will feel right as rain after a bowl of my slug stew. Perhaps I can make it for you. And you feel, um, you feel a sensation in your body? I need you to roll a... Uh, one second. Uh, 
you feel a sensation flowing into your body. And you're not sure you're not sure what's happening, but you do feel a strange sensation. You all of a sudden feel uh, a little more predisposed to understanding this person, a little more empathetic to them. And you're not sure why. And you're a little frustrated by it. If you can assure that at least for the moment, no harm will come to them, perhaps we can have another moment to speak further. Mm, yeah, stay for dinner. And then if you decide you want to try to kill us, then at that point, maybe you can. But I think I think you should try some of my slug stew. It's very delicious. Back before the scorching, I even was nominated for an award for it. Can you imagine that? Awards. I haven't seen an award in millennia. Can I do a insight check mm -hmm. as to if she is I don't know, I guess if there is any maliciousness to her her desire for me to eat this stew? Sure. Uh, I mean, you're reading her body language to see if there's a hint of that? Yeah, like, is this a more... I guess, is her intent to genuinely have me sit down, or do I detect that this is just a trap? Okay, roll an insight check. Uh, 16. Okay. Um, so you can smell a little bit of what's being brewed in the pot. It doesn't smell good. And so your your rational, <laughs> your mind is saying you definitely won't like this, and that this uh, your your gut instinct doesn't trust it. Okay. Um, the magic that, or the feeling that this this weird, strange feeling that washes over you now begins to intensify. And and the 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 woman, the old hag. Raises up her hands, sort of spreads her fingers out towards you like this. And she goes, hey, <laughs> um, we're going to need you to make a wisdom save. Nine. Uh, sorry, it's with disadvantage. Oh, well, it wasn't very good to begin oh, no, with. I'm sorry, no, it, it, no it, sorry, it doesn't work that way. Um, it's just with the regular one. Okay. Okay, nine. Okay, um, you now begin, your heart begins to lighten towards this person as you feel empathy for them, and um, you effectively have the charm status on you, as, as you should clearly cast a magical spell in your direction. Okay. And now you feel, you feel, um, you feel like uh, some sort of empathy, like this person's been trapped down here potentially guarding something for thousands of years you know that that feels like oh there's this high calling there oh wait a minute if i if she's charming me i have advantage on those throws oh good then use your advantage yeah it's, that's why i mentioned it because it is a charm effect uh that's a wait hold on let me make sure i'm adding the right thing it was a wisdom save yeah 21 <laughs> okay so you, you have all these thoughts for a single second and then you realize she just tried to use charm magic on you. And that is going to be the last mistake you make. She goes, and I'm going, ah! 
Blark cast Adam. hex on her. Blark Adam. You cast hex on her. Okay, uh, roll for initiative. Uh, that is going to be a 24. Okay. Um, 24 for Stanley. Okay. All right, let me roll my initiatives. Okay. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so uh, you're casting Hex on her. Make your attack roll, please. Um, okay. Am I adding anything or just a straight D20 roll? Uh, D20, please. Uh, it's at 10. Oh, do you add something? Uh, no, Hex it? just lands. Oh, just oh, then there's no need to roll anything. Sorry. Um, That's all right. Uh, okay. And I want to give her disadvantage on wisdom saves. Okay, so she's hexed a wisdom disadvantage. Is it till her neck? Oh, just per it's persistent, right? Yeah, it's as long as hex remains. Okay, perfect. Um. Okay, so what what does it look like when she's hexed? Like, so when Stanley casts hex, mm -hmm. he uh, he does kind of a Doctor Strange style hand gesture, and he just says. Uh, the eyes of Katobal Praith have fallen upon you. And she would see his <laughs> eyes, which glow when he casts magic. The glow leaves his eyes and trail and move and hover behind her and fall upon her as if two phantom eyes are looking down from behind. Okay, so she recoils and she goes, ah, Blort, help me! Um, now, she would normally be her turn. Do you have anything else you want to do? Uh, if I have my full list of actions, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Your your first act in the turn order. Okay, and then I am going to uh, I am going to hit her with uh, dissonant whispers at the second level. Okay, so is hex is um, a so bonus action. Uh, yes, hex cool, is a bonus cool. action. All right, dissonant whispers. All right, what happens? Uh, she has to do a wisdom 15 saving throw. Okay. <coughs> no, I have disadvantage. Right? Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a fail. Okay. So let me roll the damage. Twenty-two points of damage. Oh my god! Ouchies. And she has to use her full movement to run away from me. Okay, so she she grasps her head and she goes, "Ah!" See, <laughs> well done, Bo. <laughs> uh, she she grasps her head and she's like, "Ah!" And she takes off running in the direction of the oil sands, uh, the beach, under the ground. There's the water. She she runs out. Both hands clutching her head as she runs out, and and she just manages to yell, "Get them, boy! Get them!" She screams out, uh, "Okay!" And then Blurt goes, "Hey, don't be mean to my mommy!" And um, he slowly starts to clamber on down, knocking over 
uh, Varel, Bok-Bok, and, and, and Hope as he starts to shuffle on down, but he's slow and big. And, but he's like, he's like, his hands are like stomping on the breaking skulls and bones as they clamp their way down. And he moves towards you, starts bearing down on you, but he doesn't reach you quite yet during his turn. Um, that being said, Varel, Hope, and Bok-Bok kind of... Uh, look at the situation as it's broken out into violence very suddenly and they they all turn to look at you these friendly familiar faces and they scowl and they all start charging at you as well and, oh shit and, <laughs> um, so Varel starts bearing down and goes don't destroy this beautiful creature and he's, he runs he dashes up towards you and he, he doesn't have any weapons in his hand so he just launches a rocket fist sort of undercut try and punch you in the stomach uh it's a 21 to hit that will definitely hit okay i don't know how to what's the damage it's an unarmed strike so do that that's easy um okay you take six points of damage he runs up to you boom punches you Hope uh, also runs towards you doesn't appear to have uh, taken out any weapons she runs your way <coughs> and she doesn't make oh, it to you. Hold on, I gotta do a uh, see if hex dispels. Uh, oh, because of no, concentration, it, it okay. doesn't. That's fine. Cool. But uh, yes, every time I take damage, I gotta roll that. Hope runs up to you, and Bok Bok also runs up to you, and you see him start fiddling in his pants as he runs your direction. Uh, it's now your turn. Um. All right. So Varel, they're in your within... face, and and the the large creature is bearing down on you. Okay, I am going to, uh, as a bonus action, uh, have my eyes flash silver and use, um, oh, what's it called? Mantle of Inspiration. Okay. Alit Orish Yal Taldin. Give myself five temporary hit points. Mm-hmm. Um, and allow myself to move up to my movement without an opportunity attack. Mm-hmm. I am going to move uh, as close as I can get to the singing face part of Blort's body. Yeah. And I am going to shove diplomacy into the face. Okay. Uh, Make an attack roll. Uh, That's a 16. 16. Uh, Okay. Um, It's a hit. Eleven damage. Okay, so you sink you sink it in, and you, you hear the 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 voice scream. Ah! Instead of singing, it breaks the singing. It's like ah! it's wailing like a banshee. It's just screaming. I need you to roll a um, Constitution save, please. Uh, seven. Okay, you're now deafened. Um, Let's make sure I get that status up here. You're now deafened, which has a negative status effect on you. Can't hear and automatically fails any ability check that requires hearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but, you know, you can't hear. <laughs> hey, that uh, could happen. It's not, it's not the worst of effects, considering you don't have any uh, uh, much teammates. Although, I guess you couldn't yell out Lemon Tree right now. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> here. Uh, so you're deafened as it screams you sort of stab it 
Anything else for your turn? Uh, that is it. That's my bonus action, action, and move. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's it. Okay, um, so how many turns does the hag have to suffer dissonant whispers? Does she keep running for like 10 minutes or what? I believe it's just one. Let me just verify, but I think it's just one. Okay, so she keeps running out into the muck. Yeah, it's just the one turn. Okay. All right, so you, you stab the face. The face has the sword in it. You pull it out. It's, it's screaming. Blort turns around and goes, Hi! And he moves his body all the way around. And he just lets off. He tries to grapple you. He tries to pick you up. All right, uh, 20. Uh, yeah, he's going to get me. That's only a 12 for dexterity to get away from it. Okay, um, 12 from dexterity. So uh, he picks you up with, in both of his hands. His hands are, he's about, his top half of his body is about for size. It's fat. He just grabs you on either side of the waist and picks you up. And he hasn't done anything with you. He just has you up in front of his face like this. He's picked you up. And his face is disgusting. He's got this bald head. And his skin, it's like human fleshy, but... It also kind of looks like worm skin. It's got these little ridges in it all over the place, and his breath is foul. Like imagine someone that's never brushed a teeth in a thousand, like hundreds of years, and just this is like melts your nose, and you're deaf, and now your nose is under assault. Um, uh, Varel, uh, who you know also turned around and went to run directly at chase you as you went to the back of Blort to stab it, um, takes a few steps. And this weird look lands on his face, and then his eyes roll up, and he falls to the ground. And then out of the corner of your your eye, you see Tedna, who's who's been approaching, and he was about to start to run and attack. He also falls to the ground, and and Hope uh, also starts running towards you, and and she sort of falls under and and, and passes out. Bakbak, however, doesn't stop moving. He runs, and he's got. Uh, the dynamite, and he goes, and he pulls out a stick of dynamite, but he's like, he looks like he's not sure where to put it. He looks at you, and then he looks at the big worm, half worm, half man guy, and then back at you. And then he lights it, and then he goes back, and he looks at you, and he looks at you. He's just standing there with the dynamite. Um, Okay, so now it's back to your turn. How far away is Bok Bok from me? Um, well, he's about, you ran, you would have moved 30 feet since you didn't use a dash. So let's say 30 feet. It won't explode near you currently. Um, boy, this seems risky. I like it, <laughs> but it seems risky. Um, I'm going to try to use Mage Hand to take the dynamite from Bok Bok and okay. float it into the mouth of Blort. Wait, you're using your Mage Hand to pick up the dynamite? <laughs> I like it. I just, I just want to make sure I understand. That's yes. Right. It's going to grab the stick of dynamite from Bok Bok and float it up into Blort. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Mage Hand works that way. I just want to make sure, because it's awesome, and I don't want to make sure some weird rules thing that we shouldn't couldn't have done it so uh i'll just read it uh spectral floating hand appears at a point you choose within range the hand lasts for the duration or until you dismiss it as an action 
The hand vanishes if it is ever more than 30 feet from you okay. or if you cast the spell again. Okay. You can use the action to control the hand. You can use the hand to manipulate an object, open an unlocked door container, store, retrieve an item from an open container, or pour the contents out of a vial. The hand can move up to 30 feet each time you use it. Okay. So you can move. So your action is moving the hand. It's not part of your move. Your action would be moving the hand. Um, right, so it appears can, 30 feet away, which would be yeah. at Bokbot. Yeah, so it appears 30 feet away. You can use a free action to interact with one thing, so pick up a dynamite stick. Right. Use your action to move it 30 feet. Yep, which would be the mouth. Sorry, I'm thinking. Because um, it, it it can appear anywhere within 30 feet that oh, I want. Oh, it says you so can open starting... an unlocked door container. So like unlocking a door would be a full action of its own. So we could count as one action, you picking it up and dropping it. Oh, okay. We're not using a free action. Like, it's part of your action. It's right. a surrogate action, if you know what I mean. Like, use your action, use the hand. I'm just trying to think, what can the hand do? So yeah. it can move and, like, unlock a lock. It, like, in theory, it's better than your actual turn. Because you can use your action to move the hand and do a thing. Whereas on your turn, you have to use a move action and an action. Right. To do those things. You get what I'm saying? Like, you're... Yeah. It's like a savings of one. <laughs> it's free real turn estate. It's a free savings on this hand. This mage hand is a good deal. Come on down. Yeah, I just want to make sure we're getting it right. That sounds right to me. So you pick up the hand with the mage hand. Like a spectral hand appears in front of Bachbody. He goes, ah, ah, and he starts chasing the hand. But you float the hand up so that he can't jump and read. He's like trying to, he doesn't know it's from you. So he's like running after the dynamite and, and, Chasing after the hand to get the dynamite, and you bring the stick uh, to his mouth and just like, yeah. stick it in there. Yeah. Okay. And so then... you, you stick it in there and he immediately drops you. Oh, nice. Um, so uh, one fall damage for 1d10. Um, uh, roll a deck save to see if you cut it by half. I mean, we can feather fall that. You're going to feather fall it? I'm gonna feather fall it. Okay. All right. So he I goes, don't know how much he goes to drop you, and you're just like instinctively like, and you sort of <laughs> <float> down. <laughs> he goes to drop you, and you drop down. You start dropping in slow motion immediately. Uh, he's got the stick in his mouth, and he's he's trying to like stick it out, but your hand is like pushing it in. Okay. Yeah. Um So he's gonna try and take it out. Like he's forced it in there. Is what I'm saying. It's like it's in his throat. It isn't just a in his between his teeth. Uh, but he drops you. It's still your turn, I guess. So that's where we're at right now. All right. So I've used uh, I've used my action. Mm -hmm. I still have some movement. Oh, oh wait, you're falling. Uh, I've used my reaction because <laughs> of the feather fall. Yeah. Um. So I have a bonus action that I can use. Mm -hmm. You are in the middle of falling through it all this now, so like you won't land until the end of until the start of your next turn. So anything I'm going. Movement. I'm gonna. Th how far away is the hag? How far away is the hag? Uh, she's oh. running two turns, and you ran thirty. She's about ninety feet away at this point. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna throw diplomacy out. Mm -hmm. Say parlay, and uh, send it directly into the the you know, chest type area of the of big boy. Let's give him something else to be distracted about. A blort. Too. A blort. Okay. 
Blort. Sure. All right. Uh, so that's your turn. Uh, Blort uh, then. Begins... Do I need to do an attack roll? <laughs> Did I hit oh, him? Oh, oh, yeah. Your first one is a bo- it's a bonus action, right? Yeah. Do an attack roll. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. That's all right. I just wanted to make sure it actually might not hit. Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. It, it goes to try and penetrate his skin, and just it's it looks fleshy and soft, but it's really tough and wrinkly, and it sort of goes into one of his wrinkles and doesn't appears to not do anything. Yeah. Yeah, and it comes out like kind of drenched in this weird coat of sweat and oil. Yeah, that's gonna get pressed to digitate. <laughs> um, you're falling in slow motion. Uh, Blort uh, then reaches into like <sighs> try and pull out the thing. Now your mage hand can't fight with it, right? It's phantasmal, or can it? Right, or can it? Right. It th- I think it's only about like I-, I think all you'd have to do is about ten pounds of pressure for it to not be able to fight back against it. I'm just wondering because like fun. you could leave the hand there and force it yeah it can't uh it can't attack activate magic items or carry more than 10 pounds so i would assume 10 pounds of pressure against it would break it it's spectral which means it sounds to me like it's kind of on uh, the ethereal plane somewhat so like a ghost or something it's difficult to physically interact with it so so he can't touch it to try and remove the hand but what i'm asking is, is he's exerting pressure on the dynamite to remove it from his throat. Yeah. And the mage hand still exists, right? Like you Right. It's is it still there? Yeah. Yeah. It lasts for a minute. So your hand could also be exerting counter pressure to keep the dynamite in the throat, right? Right. So we're gonna do a yeah, okay. Let's do a grapple contest. But okay. we're not gonna use strength in the case of this. I think in your case, your magical spell casting ability is charisma. So yeah. it'll be a charisma check versus Ooh. my strength uh, contest. Oh, no. Uh, it's a seven. Oh, 14. Okay. So. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> uh, but you had a good chance. You had a good shot. You had a good charisma. So that's why I like it was it. a two. I rolled a two. Um, like I, I'm just looking at your sheet here, by the way. It's like there's barely ever charisma saving throws, but you get a plus seven to your roll on charisma saving throws. Like, I know. What? Yeah. <laughs> but it's so like, it's such a slender case where you need that. All right, so he pulls out the dynamite and he goes, huh? And clearly he doesn't he doesn't know what it is. Um, so he has it in his hand. And that's his action. Uh, so he didn't attack, so there's no multi-attack. Uh, he has it in his hand. And he says, what this? And he starts, um, well, walking towards you, but he's right in front of you anyway. So there isn't, you know, he, he's just sort of bearing down on you, ready to pounce as soon as you land. His body is moving in such a way he rears up in order to slam his whole, the weight of his worm body on top of you and possibly suffocate you and smother you in worm flesh. Um, so that's that's where he's at. Bok uh, Bok, however, is not having any of that. And he starts to climb on top of, this blort to get his dynamite back <laughs> oh and, no uh he runs he runs up to it and to his arm and he starts he bites his arm so he makes a bite attack on his arm as he crawls up it's at 16 so he definitely bites this guy um <laughs> he does four damage to it as he, he climbs up and just <laughs> And he clearly, like, if Bok Bok finds this thing disgusting, he's got to be gross because it's not fresh. He's like, 
And then uh, through part of it, too, he reaches in as a bonus action. He takes out a good berry from his loincloth and pops it into himself as if giving himself a little boost. Um, so now there's a lit stick of dynamite that Blord is holding. He's reared up on top of you like this, about to crush you. And Bok Bok is hanging off his arm, biting the forearm to try and get the dynamite stick out of his hand. Um, oh my gosh, Bok Bok, you sometimes make situations better and you sometimes make them so much worse. And, and your your feathered fall on your back, or not on your back, but like you feathered fall in a safe position, but you need to get out the way, basically. Or not. I don't know what you're going to do. It's your turn. Uh, all right. Yeah, that seems like a like a good idea. Um, does hex break if someone moves a certain distance from you? By the way, just wondering about that. Does what break? Hex. Uh, the range is ninety feet, which is is how far you said she was away from me. Yeah, but she's going to um, keep running I away. So I, want, I was just wondering. Breaks. Let me see. I think the range might be the cast range, not the effect range. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about a range on it. It's just that it exists there. Yeah, I don't know if that's in the like the as a base rule if they run out of your range when you have a concentration spell if that breaks it or not. But I'm going to say no. Okay. So, anyways, continue uh, on. Sorry. Well. At a certain point, I can only help Bok Bok so much. Uh, he's going to do what he's going to do. So I am going to move uh, around him to where I would be out of the way of him falling down, you know, yeah. basically to the side as much as I can to get away from that. Uh, and ideally to a place where I would have line of sight on the hag. Okay. Uh, am I able to see her? Um, you can make her, you, you see her running out into the oil uh, lake. Um, okay, so I am going to fire an Eldritch Blast at her. Okay. That will probably hit 18 plus 7 to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be... Six for sure. 14 damage to her. Okay. We previously did 22, so... Yep. 26. Okay. So you fire uh, the Eldritch Blast out, it cracks off across the um, the oil lake. I'm not catching it on fire, because it's necrotic, right? Uh, it's force damage. Oh, so it's force damage. Um, yeah. But, but she... Do actually, so I guess I should clarify, just, and I should get better at this in general. Mm -hmm. It was... Uh, Eight force damage with six necrotic from the hex. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, just gonna check for resistances. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. You take, she takes the full brunt of the damage um, as it hits her. Um, it hits her square in the back, and she goes ah or ah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll make it better, Bo. Good job. Well, <laughs> Because uh, the thing is, I'm in the moment. It's hard to th I'm, when I'm in the moment. Yeah. I'm not thinking about microphone. I'm thinking about. I know. I understand. Um, I understand. She goes ah, and 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 she hits her square in the back, and she splat falls down into the oil lake, and a big splash happens. And Blort looks over, and she goes, "Mommy, no!" As as he. You know, as he's cut, he's still on his way down to you. Now you've moved, you've moved out of the way to get advantage on him. 
Yeah, I moved uh, around yeah. to the okay, side. Okay, so, so, but he's still reared up in sort of mid-position. He goes, Mommy, no! And, um, yeah, what else is happening on your turn? I'm going to move... Uh, I'm going to move diplomacy so that it is standing point up under where he's falling down towards. Okay. Just like a ready action? Well, you can't. You've I, already used your I don't action. know. I mean, I guess I could attack him, which is fine. You've already I used your, generic I would attack. say you've already used your action. It was your main action to do the Eldritch Blast. Right. Readying an action technically uses an action on your turn and then a reaction. Um, but if you want to move it there, you can. As like a, it's an environmental danger, not an attack. Like you're making a trap, know. right? Right. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, I don't know. It just seems more interesting to have him impale himself than me to just do sure. a normal it attack. It just means you it. won't have any control over it. You're not raiding an action. You're you're creating okay. an environmental hazard. Yeah. So I'll just move diplomacy there and okay. just wait. Sure. All right. And so uh, he he goes he, since his momentum was already up there in his sort of prolonged attack, he does drop down his heavy body, ugh, smashing uh into the sword. The sword disappears from view. You think impaling it? <laughs> Certainly, hope. you can still you can still <laughs> feel it. Um, so I'm gonna what's uh, roll your sword damage, please. Okay. Uh, Twelve damage. Okay. He goes. Oh, that hurts! <laughs> and then he crawls up as you as you're you know behind you, and he just takes his big. F- fist he's still got the dynamite in the hand but he takes his other fist and he just wants to bop you over the head and in a way it reminds me of how orp killed sheriff clementine oh geez that's a horrible image to conjure before you attack me all right it is a hit uh you take 12 points of damage as the fist comes down and bops you on the head and you sort of wobble a bit and lose your footing a bit, and um, you don't fall down, but you take a really strong hit to the back of the head. Bludgeoning. Um, Hex remains. Okay. I don't know if she's still alive or not, but Hex remains. Okay. Um, Right. Uh, Oh, because you didn't move it, right? Right. You're not sure if she's alive or not. You saw her fall in there. Um, So he baps you in the back of the head, and that would be his turn. Bokbok's going to try and continue biting his hand. <laughs> uh, okay, he bites his hand. All right, and this time he does uh, some additional damage to him. Five points of damage as he keeps biting onto his hand. Arr, 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 arr. Um, and that would be his turn. Your turn. Okay. Has uh, when the creature reared up to bop me? Can I see the hole where diplomacy is? Is it in there? Can I see it at all? It's directly under his body. Probably. Oh, so it's still it's still underneath. Based him. on how you feel the force around him, uh, the entire thing is is inside of his body at this point. Ooh, gross! He's a heavy lad. <laughs> um. Let me see, I just need to see how a spell works here, real quick. I don't know if it, you can move it to slice, continue slicing through his body. Uh, sure. I would say no. He's not, I would say. 
I don't know. What happens if I try to call it back to me? I guess it would slice through it. I mean, you could try. It'd be difficult terrain at the very least. So half movement speed for sure. <laughs> and I think it'd have to be an attack roll to slice through the body. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so Bok Bok's still up there with the hand. The hand still has the dynamite. It hasn't let that go, right? He's got the dynamite. He won it from oh. your mage hand. Your mage hand's still hanging around his face. Right, he still is holding the dynamite right up by Bok Bok. Yeah, and the, the, that wick is getting real low. And he's right behind you, so you're you're inside its range of uh, uh, its attack range. Gosh, freaking dang it, Bok Bok, move. I can't talk to him, though, because he can't understand me. Um, uh, that's right, you don't speak Goblin, right? Nope. All right, uh, let's do this. Would it still be a bonus action to call the sword like it normally would? Like it'd be an attack roll or would it be the full action? Here's what I'd say is that right now it's stuck in its body, so it has a movement of zero. It's restrained. Let's say I'm just going to rule that, make it easy. Okay. You're going to have to roll them over and pull it out to get it out. Or it would come out on its own magically. Uh... I am going to, I don't know if she's alive or dead. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but I kind of need to know that because I can only move it if they hit zero hit points. So I would move the hex if she's dead. But if she's not at zero hit points, then I can't move it. So I wonder what the dick quotient is on this move. Um, because I feel like... If there's a mystery to whether something's dead or not, it's like, do you have to use an action to find out if you can move it or not? Or can I tell you so that you don't waste an action? Right? And I feel like... If the target drops to zero hit points before the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on a subsequent turn to curse a new creature. But I feel like since I don't relay that kind of information, who's at zero hit points... You'll have no way of knowing she's dead. I think there is a dick quotient to this. To this, in that. Okay, um, so I just have to yeah. try it and see if it works. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, you know she's dead. And if it All does right, work, I try to move the. I try to move the hex to him, or at least at zero hit points, like if she's unconscious or something yeah. like that. All right, I'm gonna try to move the hex to him. The hex moves. Ooh! All right, now we're getting somewhere. Uh... Does it confer the same um does it confirm the same disadvantage? So it was wisdom for her, would it continue to be wisdom for him? I have to read that. Choose one ability when you cast a spell. That's what you the choice is made when you cast. Uh use a bonus action on a subsequent turn of yours to curse a new creature. So I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm going to leave it. It, it specifies but. that if we're being rules as written, it specifies you make a choice when you cast it. So moving okay. the spell is not casting the spell. Okay. The well, that's Re- perfect. Recursing. I may use it yeah. for the same thing anyway, but I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Uh, I am going to hit him with dissonant whispers at second level as well. Okay. And that's a save, a wisdom disadvantage save? A wisdom disadvantage. He has to hit 15. 
No. <laughs> That is 16 damage. Four of it is necrotic. Okay, that's a lot. 16 and four is necrotic. Okay, and this makes him run away as well? Uh, yes, he he will use his full movement to move as far away from me as he can. Okay, so he immediately looks at you in terror. And then he runs out towards uh, he runs out towards the um the direction that you wouldn't be facing so the water the lake is kind of towards your back at this point so he starts running in the direction of um basically where the entrance is sort of up that hill a bit but it's very pain he's like running for his life like imagine having a sword stuck in you but you're still running for your life uh so he's just like ah ah i've got to get away mommy no and he runs and and um, he takes the damage. You can see smoldering begin to come from his head and the mouth on the back looking kind of like it's no longer screaming or making noise. It's just drooling out blood and, and it's, it begins to run away. Bok Bok still riding along, taking bites on it. And the, uh, and the, the dynamite goes off. So I'm just going to roll the damage for that. So this creature takes an additional 11 points of damage. And Bok Bok also hits the explosion. He himself takes 16 points of damage. As the one stick of dynamite blows up and blows this thing's arm off. You just see an arm fly, hits the wall, and Bok Bok also goes... He flies through the air. <laughs> is he within range to get feather falls? Yeah, he flies over feet? your head. Okay, I'll feather fallen. He goes, <laughs> and he reaches as he's feather falling. He reaches into his loincloth. He takes out a good berry. He starts eating good berry <laughs> as, as, he's, as he's feather falling. And he's like his whole front is full of like he's like black soot and burn marks. <laughs> and then there's like little shrapnel cuts on his face. He's like, he's like arr, arr, arr. <laughs> eating his good berries on the way down. And um, and yeah, and then that, that the giant creature Blort sort of stumbles over and goes ah ah ah. And he hits the ground. And then the sort of there's this second goes by where it's he's still, and then the body goes. And it sort of it looks like everything goes limp in it. And it sort of deflates a bit. And then you see this like muck of black blood and weird fleshy pink start to leak from all of the open holes on his tail and in his face. And it's almost like it's he's he's melting. Like it's like he was a balloon that air is slowly escaping and his form is like slowly deflating as fleshy pink blood pools up around him. Alright. I'm going to uh I'm imagining Bok Bok floats to the ground fairly safely. Yeah. He's like, ah, 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 ah. And he's making a big show about like reaching the ground. He's like, he's like Ah! And he hits the ground. And he's like, and he's talking to you. You don't know what he's saying. I'm going to uh, first take a look 
check on uh, Varel and Hope, make sure that they are unconscious, but all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go towards them. Both appear to be breathing. Bok Bok also comes up. He starts putting good berries in Varel's mouth and in Hope's mouth. And you see that they're they're unconscious, but they're breathing. I look at him, and I know he doesn't speak uh, much common, but I've heard Varel say it, and I'll say, good, Bok Bok. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go over to uh, Blort's body mm-hmm. with my a dagger ready and try to get my sword back. You're going to have to push his body over. It's still facing, it's facing his underside. He's pinned underside. Oh so gosh. we're going to need a strength check to push him over. Uh, all right. Be good. No, <laughs> it's eight. <laughs> okay, you go to try to push him, and you really like the sword, so you put all your effort into doing it, and your hands sink into its flesh, and all of a sudden your hands are stuck in his body, and it's just wet, gooey, and hot inside. And you pull your hands out, and there's this stringy red-pink blood cheese as you pull the hands out, and it's like, oh, shit. I'm... If I have to cut through the back to the front, I will. I'm going to try to get that sword back. Okay. All right. Um, Roll a survival check to see how long it's going to take you to cut this body to get to where you need to. Ten. (laughs) Okay. Um, So it's not the easiest job in the world for you to... You're not even familiar with this thing's anatomy. It's not like, you know, you've been hunting a few times in your history. You kind of know how to carve up a hyena or whatever, but... Um, this thing you don't recognize at all. You're just hacking away. You find all kinds of weird tubes and weird like pieces of like what look like sponge, but it's wet and slappy. You don't know what it is. It doesn't, you don't recognize what any of it is. Keep pulling bits and parts out, and finally you see the, sh- the a little glint after ten minutes, and there's your baby diplomacy sitting in there. All right, we're going to retrieve that and press the digitate it because it has been on an adventure. Yeah, all right. You clean you clean all the pinky flesh blood off of it. It's nice and clean, but you're up to your elbows in flat, like pink. It's almost like candle wax, but not solid. Yeah. It's just all over you. It's pretty pretty intense. Well, that is the second thing that's going to need cleaning. Is you can, uh, can you only myself. use that three times an hour, or is it really at will for the cleaning? I it's just wonder. At, it's at will. Okay. I can only have three active at the same time. If I were to create an effect for an hour, I can only have three. Oh, but it's not an effect. It's um, it's a one-and-done kind of deal, so you can keep yeah. doing it. Okay. Uh, right. I, I suppose I should also check on Tedna, make sure he's all right. All right. As you lift your hand from your tasks, your, your head from your tasks uh, of getting diplomacy sheathed, uh, you look over quickly to Tedna and see he's also face down in the sandy, oily floor. And you notice um, something strange in your eyesight. Uh, there's this sort of bluish, naked human crawling out of the oil lake. With great dip, not standing on his legs, just sort of hur- curled up fetus style, and sort of taking. You see a hand come out and sort of pulling itself quietly, but you notice it in your view. All right, if uh, Tedna seems to... I'll grab Tedna, we'll drag him down to the others, at least so they're in the same spot. Maybe Bok Bok can give him a good berry. Four. (laughs) 
I'm so not strong. Yeah, you go to pull, you go to pull him, you go to pull him, and you're just like he's heavier than he looks, and he's like a big sack of weight. Um, you could drag him, but you might cut him up across a few stones or something like that. That's fine. All right, so you just grab him by the back <laughs> of the shirt. You rip it. You rip fine. his shirt a bit as you're pulling them. You're like, I don't care. You just like toss him ungrateful or unceremoniously. He basically just dragged his face across the sand and, and, <laughs> and piled him up with everyone else. And then you get a little closer and you see um, the blue body, very, very slender, very skinny, malnourished, but it's, it's he's blue and it's glowing a bit. It's weird. All right, I'm going to approach cautiously, um, but I'm going to approach and and see. It's not. It looks different than the woman did, correct? Yeah. I mean, you can't see. You only see the back and long hair. There's long, flowing white hair. All right. I will approach and and say, hello. See if I get a reaction. The voice looks around. uh, The head looks around and reveals an intensely elfin face glowing blue the ears so distinctive on this one very long long features long limbs doesn't appear aged appears middle-aged for an elf which is youthful looking but glowing blue almost like ethereal or ghost-like but still there's flakes of mud and oil as he's been dragging himself across the dirt and, and the face looks up at you and says, speaks to you, Yiman Rongantika, Uramba Yisha, Uramba Hinda. Do I understand any of it? It's not a language you recognize. It's, if you had to guess what you've been hearing, uh, might be a form of ancient elven or something. I don't know. Just it's just strange. Perhaps it's confusing to you because it definitely sounds sounds elven, but you don't seem to understand it. I'll try speaking back in elvish and say, "I'm sorry, I don't understand." Ah, ah, the new tongue. You speak the new tongue. That's fine. What? What, how, how long have I been here? Have to be honest, I'm not sure. I'm fairly new here as well. Uh, we were... My comrades here were brought here against their will by that creature back there. Yes, and yeah. this woman. And, and what... Is the, is the portal closed? Did we do it? Did we win? I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Quit wasting my time. I have been in here far too long. You must tell me, have we been victorious in in the war? Have we won? Which war? The eternal war. The war against all those who are not elf. The war against all those who would commit elven resources and magic to fight their wars. 
There's only one truth in this world, and that is flesh will rend before me. <sighs> but you, you are an elf. You are of me. I need your help. I'm weak. I've been... I've been in a hell of my own for... I do not know how long, but... I breathe the stinking air of this world they call Earth. I need your help. I need your help, elf. Your name. What is your name? My name is Stanley Billings. That's a strange name. And of what house are you? I don't have a house. Oh, you are a houseless one. You will serve me well. I will not be serving anybody today. You don't understand. There is much work to be done. And I need to regain my strength. You must help me. Do not waste my time with petty offenses at the language that I use. This is not elf behavior. I don't know if you've noticed, friend, but I am not a full elf. I am a half-elf. Well, perhaps it's you who is lacking an education. Uh, I am the Archfey, Diantalus. And I need your help. You are the only one who can help me. I must regain my strength. Are you the prisoner the woman spoke of? I was brought to this place, yes, but I am no prisoner. I am still strong of mind, and I will be strong of body again when I have had a chance to be rejuvenated in a font of what this world calls mana waves. He sort of looks up and he says, but I must, I must, I need your help. Do you have, he smells, so you, you are a strong source of, of this mana wave energy. But I bet you can bring me the amount that I need, which is more than one person. Stanley Billings, I offer you a choice. Will you aid me? In exchange for the aid, I will lend you my favor. Well, forgive me for not immediately jumping at the favor of a fragile-looking soul that just crawled out of the muck. But what exactly is it that you think you can lend me? Do you not know what an archfey is? I can't say that I do. You are poorly educated for an elf. I quite like you. Elves waste their time with bureaucracies and sacred uh, rituals and traditions. When all that matters is the rending of flesh. The rending of flesh that no longer has business existing. I am Diantalus Archfey of Carnage. And they showered me with favor. Until the carnage became too much for them and their sensibilities, and they imprisoned me here. But the I adhere to the elves of old did this. When you say elves of old, what does this mean? 
You said I spoke with the new language. I'm assuming this was some time ago. Well, the elven language. The elves were not the first in the Fae. The first in the Fae were the prime primordials. And then the sentinels. Then the Archfey came, and together we created an, a fertile realm and knew not of the horrors of the void. But then, as it came to pass, well, it's a long tale. I'm not here for a history lesson. You, you don't know the history of your kind, but perhaps I can teach it to you. And what am I going to have to give for such a lesson? It's very simple. Help me help me gain my strength. Allow me to travel with you. And together we will find sources of powerful magical energy, which will you will feed to me, but in turn I will grant unto you. Until such time as I am ready to be reborn again, and to return to this world to rend all of the flesh of the unworthy. Yeah, friend, I think I've made enough deals with people who are looking to rend flesh. I was hoping, after I encountered these two particular wonders, that maybe you would be the kind of soul that would be a bit more amenable to this world. But maybe there's a reason they locked you up. This world has much potential to it but it has much to be excised of it as well. I will... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I will cull the weak, the outdated, that suckle at the teat of our resources and waste it, and bring true, true magic to this world and save it. We are elves. We could have, we could have done a lot more long ago. I assume things have must have gone badly. By the look on your face, clearly. So what shall it be then? Do you not wish my favor, the favor of an archfey? Are you so lost as an elf that you don't even know what an archfey is? I don't. And I have enough deals made with questionable morals to make one with you. I see this will not be easy. And what exactly does that mean? Uh, he reaches out a hand very suddenly. Crackling blue energy warps around his hand. If I cannot take you willingly, I will lead you to the glory of Elfkind. Kicking and screaming. And the glowing, crackling piece of blue energy fires out. And it starts to move around his hand. Can you make a uh, charisma check? Saving charisma throw. Check. Charisma oh, saving charisma throw. Save. Hey, see, look, we're going to get to use that charisma save today. That was like a foreshadowing. Oh, my God. Ten. <laughs> it's not You rolled good. a three and added seven to get ten? <laughs> yes. The swirling piece of energy comes up, 
as as it turns into this ball of light and the ball of light then like opens on the side and engulfs you and you feel a sense of of revelation of heaven of your mind opening to possibilities that you never would have thought possible and this light douses you and he slowly turns into light he begins to glow and then turns into the light that was in his hands then your body just goes your hands shoot out and your legs shoot out and your mouth like props open and your hair blows back and there's this and it's like you're stuck in this position and you feel the light enter you as your hands shake and your head quivers and your body convulses and then the light disappears your body goes limp you fall to the ground on your knees Bok Bok slowly peers around a corner and goes you don't know what he's saying you hear some stirring behind you as Varel and Hope begin to stir and you're on your knees panting I think that's where we ended this week oh my gosh <laughs> that's that's oh, the show man. folks that is the show well at least you didn't get your teammates killed hey you know <laughs> it's something I thought you were going to I didn't think you were going to attack I thought we were going to parlay that was pretty fun. Um, all right. Uh, so I guess we should just leave it there and not talk too much about it. Let you all at home wait to find out <laughs> what happens next week with this business. Oh, uh, man. They're going to come back to such a weird situation. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, if you guys are listening to the show, it's better if it's a secret. But if you did, then you have to pretend like your characters don't know what's going on. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks very much, Chatroom, for hanging out for me. For John, for Scott, for Kyle, for Kristen. See you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.